So, Birdo, I thought we would just do a, a fun episode in which we talked Ooh. about recent TV and movies that we've watched. And I want to talk about Mulan, which was a disaster. I want to talk about the boy. I want to talk about the boys' second season. Uh, Cobra Kai. Yeah, Umbrella Academy. Uh, there's also some other things like Horse Girl and Enola Holmes that I want to talk about. Uh, what do you say, Berto? Let's do it. This is the Psychology and Shadow Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirkana. I'm a therapist and a professor. And my favorite movie uh, currently is still Clockwork Orange, even though that makes me a sick person. Berto, who are you? My name is Umberto Castaneda. I like to mess up Wikipedia pages for a living. And my favorite movie right now is still Amadeus. Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus, Amadeus. This podcast is just for patrons of the podcast. Uh, the reason is, is because, I don't know, I just want to be free to sort of not be too concerned about what we're saying. And also, we haven't had a patron-only episode in a while, and we like to reward our patrons with special content. And I thought we would make this episode patron-only. So if you're not a patron on Patreon, this content will end before we get into the rest of the topic, which will probably go on for an hour or so. And if you want access to that, you have to become a patron. You go to patreon.com, become a patron of our podcast, and you'll get instructions on how to access this episode, along with hundreds of other episodes that are only available to patrons. Also know that a portion of your pledge goes towards various charities that we support, including scholarships. We've given out uh, almost $10,000 in scholarships to people, and we've given to Pet Finder and LGBTQIA uh, uh, charities, homeless uh, people charities, you know, providing uh, sort of homes for people to get back on their feet so they can, you know, f- establish independence for themselves and other kinds of charities. So go to Patreon and become a patron today. Berto, any comment on that? <laughs> I think it's uh, worth your time. It's worth your mind and your soul and your body. You should just do it. It'll make <laughs> you feel so much better. All right. Welcome to the Patron Zone. Patrons love you so much. It's always great to be on the other side of the Patreon wall. I don't know. It always just feels like I can relax. Do you feel that way, Berto? I'm chill. I'm just like cool as a cucumber when it's a patron episode. And you're so tense otherwise. I know, every other time I'm like, oh God, what are we doing? <laughs> so let's talk about Mulan. Um, I watched it recently. I plopped as down. I. I, now, it, it's not free on Disney Plus, is it? Um, I don't remember. I, I think I might have bought, bought it. Yeah, because you I and paid I, for it. Because you and I both have Disney Plus. I do, yeah. And I heard it cost 30 bucks even with Disney Plus. So I bought it just directly from, you know, the cable. Actually, I just realized, like, I don't know if it was paid for because I saw it. We did a, um outdoor projector social distancing uh, viewing at someone's house. So, so uh, how many out of 10 would you give it? I, when you first asked me the question, I think I said... Yeah, um, I, I texted you... The other day when I watched it. Right. I think I said five or six. I can't remember. Some, it but was high. I think it might have it been six. seven. I think something. it was six. No, oh, okay. it wasn't seven. I, th- okay. I think I said six. Okay. Uh, after our conversation, I, I downgraded it to five. <laughs> I had it at a probably a five until the end. And then the more, and then I put it at a three. 
And the more yeah. I thought about it, I downgraded it to a two. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I, f- I find this movie just to be a, a terrible, and, and I'm going to get into it. Um, it had a couple of moments at the end that I liked. I actually kind of teared up at the end. The, the dad-daughter scene at the end yeah. uh, kind of got me. But the rest of it was boring and lifeless and no humor at all, even though it yeah. was clearly trying to be charming and funny. It was missing some Eddie Murphy for sure. <laughs> but even among the, you know, okay, you have Eddie Murphy in the original, but you all, but the main humor is between Mulan and her yeah. her fellow soldiers. You know, you yeah, have you have the hunky guy, and then you have the humongous guy who is a teddy bear, and then you have the yeah. short guy who is the kind of the gruff brute guy, and then you have the the kind of goofy hypochondriac guy and right. they have some classic interactions between these the f- roles were not well defined at all in this new movie they're not defined at all yeah. there's no yeah. there there was the goofy guy that was supposed he was the cricket character i think yeah but he, but that was like brief like you barely even really very that brief again. the rest of them were completely indistinguishable and the love interest guy had no story it yeah. it, it, it really Emphasis, it really show it's really a, a master class in how scripts how good you know because they're telling the same story made by the same people Disney makes yeah. Mulan the original the not the original because Mulan the the ballad has been made into various different <laughs> movies and TV shows but uh, the original cartoon the 1998 cartoon you know it's it's I think it's probably 90 minutes I'm guessing it it, yeah. I didn't seem long. Uh, Mulan itself, I think it's two hours. And it, so you, you have more time to tell a story. And you just see, even though, you know, the 2020 version has a lot of spectacle and there's a lot of conversations, there's a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of characters to explore. Yeah. And yet at the end, there's there's no character development. You don't care about any of these people. You don't even know why they did half the things they did. <laughs> You you watch a cartoon that's ninety minutes, but written better and edited better and and conceived yeah. of better, and it's rich in character, in story, in meaning, in tugging at the heartstrings to this day. So, yeah. what do you give the cartoon out of ten? Uh, I really liked it when I watched it. Uh, I think I, I probably would give it an eight. I think I it's one of my favorite let alone cartoons, movies of all time. I mean, I'd put it in my top, I don't know, 200 or something because I have a lot of movies that (laughs) I love because I've seen a lot of movies. But I give it a 9 out of 10. I might even upgrade it to a 10 out of 10 if I I rewatch it again. Because I haven't seen it in probably like 10 years, but I remember so many scenes from that movie. The, The 2020 version, the only thing I remember is like how much I thought it was so stupid. Anyway, let's get into it. <laughs> By the way, the, the reason, because when Mulan came out, I loved it. But right around the same time, the U.S. release of Princess Mononoke came out. Yeah. And people were saying like, oh, if you like Mulan, you should watch this other thing. And I'd never heard of Studio Ghibli. I hadn't seen any of that stuff. So when I watched Princess Mononoke, I was like, whoa, this is like a whole other category of animation and yeah. stuff. And They're like, both good. So, They're yeah. bo- uh, so I, give- I would give... Mononoke a nine and give yeah, this one a yeah, I give Mononoke a ten. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, top one hundred, one hundred fifty. Anyway. I give Spirited Away a ten. Right, Spirited Away is it, back in the day. I liked Mononoke 
better than Spirited Away because I saw Mononoke first. Uh-huh. But upon just, I don't know if I'm just older or something, uh, Spirited Away is a very special movie. I mean, yeah, it just, that it's one just, makes me tear up just thinking about it. It's, it's so, so special, that movie. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes, what do you think it got uh, 2020, Mulan? Ooh, uh, okay, so the the audience score, I would give it a... I don't know the audience score. Oh, okay, the, the, the reviewer score, I would give it a 30%. 75%. What? Yeah. Oh my god. So why do you think that is? Ah. I have I have two hypotheses, but what do you what do you think? I cuz there's nothing this year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean like I mean compared to the rest of 2020, <laughs> this was great. Yeah, that, compared I'm to surprised. the train wreck that 2020 was, I prefer Mulan 2020. The reason I gave it a six in the first place is because where I watched it, there were like kids watching it and they really seemed to enjoy it. And, you know, like you got to give a movie credit if kids can enjoy it, but not that much credit. <laughs> right. So that's my first speculation is that the reviewers are like, well, it's a kid's movie. And for a kid's movie, it's, you know, it's, it's But it's great. not a great kid's movie. It was hard to follow. It's too long. It's like. Yeah. It's not uh, a good kid's movie. It's uh, Mulan 1998 is a good kid's movie. It's a great kid's movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other reason why, and we've talked about this before, is that Rotten Tomatoes, from my understanding, is mainly white people being, you know, white reviewers, w- white see. educated writers writing for white newspapers about white movies, you know. And then every once in a while they dip into non white stuff. And as a white reviewer in 2020, you're going to hedge your bets about your reviews about non white productions right Mm. you're gonna be like well you know i you know i thought it was a five but uh i'm not gonna lose any readership if i give it an eight and i might be able to avoid being called a white racist (laughs) you know i mean who doesn't understand things i see um this i found this to be true in a lot of as a as a person of color myself (laughs) who feels free to hack on Asian movies, and by the way, this isn't necessarily an Asian movie. There's Asians being as as actors, but it directed by a white person, written by white people, uh, a white Disney organization. Anyway, but the point right. is, is that I think that Rotten Tomatoes is so white, and I don't know, but I I suspect it to be true, and because I've seen this before, like like Snowpiercer, for example, you know. A perfectly average uh, afternoon, if nothing else is on, and 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 you want to kind of roll your eyes halfway through the movie. Um, now I know it's an opinion. Some people love that movie, but no, it's it's, it's, it's not an opinion. <laughs> it's not a great movie. It's fine it, for what it set out to do in the in the way that um, you know uh, Jackie Chan movies are. They set out to make a. You know, a f- kind of fun sure. romp in fun kung fu. It's like well, it's but fun it kung wasn't, fu. Yeah, it wasn't talked about that way though. It was like, yeah. you have got to see Snowpiercer. Yeah, people were talking about it like it was the new Matrix. Like, or yeah, like a hundred <laughs> times better than the Matrix. And it's like, yeah. no. Um, now, why is that? Now, I think there's two things. One is if you're a computer nerd that's in the you know anime, you have a certain fetishization of like Korean things, which is fine. But also reviewers, I think, shy away from 
giving their honest opinion because they don't want to be called racist. Mm. And they probably have been called racist. I mean, you just got to figure as a, if you're writing for like the New York Times and, yeah. and you're doing movie reviews on a weekly basis, you know that you get emails like, uh, you know, if you give a bad review to a, a movie that has black people in it, you know you're getting emails about it. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. Or a bad review of Asian movies, you know. So I don't know, but every – when you actually look – I tried to find Asian review, Asian-American reviewers. All of them hated Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so, sense. <laughs> so it kind of tells you something. So a bunch of white people yeah. are like, Mulan, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> and then Asian-Americans, particularly Chinese-American people are like, flat characters, bland yeah. story, didn't make sense. Yeah. F- flat characters, 100%. Bland story, 100%. Did not make sense, 100%. Okay. How much do you think this movie costs, Berto, to, to make? Uh, $200 million. Yep, exactly, $200 million. Whoa, really? Okay. Yeah. This is kind of the going price of like a very expensive yeah, movie. Like <laughs> um, how, do you think, how much do you think it's made in the box office so far after a month or so? Um, oh, box office is tough right now. Jeez, everyone's just buying it digitally, I guess. Uh I don't know, 50 million or something? Yeah, 66 million. Oh, I'm not too off today. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, 1998 film, what do you think Rotten Tomatoes? Ooh, um, 90. Uh, close, 86. Oh, okay. Um, I saw this movie in 1998 in the theater in the U District, um, which I can't remember what it was called back then, but it was one of the landmark uh, places eventually it became the Sundance, and then it was the AMC. And you and I could have been at the same theater at the same time and not know it, right? We didn't because know that's it. that's where I saw it. I saw it in the U District. Interesting. Yeah, I saw it, and I it, we've talked about how you and I both suppressed our tears when we were young, and mm-hmm. as we got older, we had to connect with our tear ducts again. Yeah, and by the time I saw this movie when I was twenty seven. My tear ducts were in full effect, and I cried throughout this oh. this movie. I cried during the parts where Disney wants you to cry. Sure. But I also cried during the funny parts. I cried during the oh. triumphant parts. As an Asian person who never sees anything Asian at all on, yeah. in Hollywood, you know, that is set up to make Asians feel the power of cinema. Yeah. Uh, converging with my newly connected tear ducts, this thing just, I, I remember walking out of the movie going, I think I was crying literally 70% of the movie, like in some stage of crying, whether it was just kind of like a little, yeah. little, little, oh, you know, or like full on, you know, sobbing, crying. That's crazy. Very moving movie. And yeah, that just tells you something like yeah. that at 27, uh, you know, I'm I'm a dude back then, and it, yeah. I actually would have been just the first year I was a therapist, actually, and just so moved. You know, I, yeah. I know that Mushu was offensive and annoying. The the Eddie Murphy dragon oh, was. I didn't know that. And it, to some people, it was. I liked okay. Mushu. I thought Mushu was fine. I mean, it's a Disney movie, so it's gonna have some. It's gonna break away from the original ballad. You can't have. You can't make a story about the original ballad and make it a kids movie and a Disney movie back then. Anyway, yeah, Um, it was criticized because she cut her hair, which men didn't do back then. 
um, oh, in, in, okay. in China. Uh, but those are pretty small things, you know, comparatively. And and I, I think it went. This movie actually went. You know, the cartoon in 1998 actually, I think, went pretty went over pretty well among Asian Americans and and Asians alike. There have been other movies, and um, I saw a reviewer on YouTube recommending that if you really want to watch a good live action Mulan, watch Mulan: Rise of the Warrior. Uh, Is that it, recent? Because I heard two, about a recent movie. 2009. Oh, okay. Um, right. So it was written and directed by white people. Nikki Caro, or Caro, direct, she directed North Country and Whale Rider, which are two mm. excellent movies. So she's a capable director. So it wasn't yeah. her fault, probably. You have the writers Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, who uh, wrote Jurassic World. <laughs> so oh, wait. Which, the first Jurassic World? Uh, like, wait. Y- yeah. The one recently? The yeah, because there was a Jurassic World and then there was a sequel. Well, who cares? They're both terrible scripts. I, no, but the first one was entertaining. The first one I mean, was a, not a great script, but the second one was awful. But the first, I didn't see the second one. But yeah, the first one, like, yeah, the first one script the, was okay. Uh, it's, it's no Jurassic Park original, but it's better than the second Jurassic Park. Yeah, a lot better. Yeah. But um, they also wrote and co-produced Rise of Planet of the Apes, which I loved. So yeah, that's good. So again you know sort of hit or miss writer wise and this was a miss um they tried to incorporate more of the original ballad but apparently failed in a lot of ways according to many chinese reviewers um they removed li shang the i don't know if you remember from the cartoon but there's a love interest of course for the princess and it's mulan's um commander i believe yeah 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 and they they took him out that character out because of the Me Too movement. You know, they didn't want her superior right. to fall in love with uh, her. And so they just dropped him altogether, but they didn't replace him <laughs> with a different compelling character. And also um, uh, LGBTQ people actually look to Lee Shang's character as an example of a, of a bisexual person because in the movie, in the cartoon, he is attracted to yeah. her when she's playing a boy, <laughs> a man. And it was always this this little shining beacon of hope for LGBTQ people of like, okay, we can at least hang our hat on Lee Shang as a potential LGBTQ person in a Disney film. Hmm. And so so they they tried to... Uh, adjust the script to avoid criticism and then incurred even more criticism. Because <laughs> the other thing is, and people uh, I saw sort of broke this down, they were saying that in the cartoon, he he never hits on her while they're uh, in, uh, in, while he's in power over her. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, and she clearly likes him. That's, yeah. you know, that she, he doesn't, harass yeah, her yeah there's never a, a situation in that cartoon where it's like "Ooh, i see how it is you know it's his powers that no that doesn't happen right she likes him she thinks he's yeah. cute <laughs> she yeah. has you know heart palpitations for him uh yeah. it's not that he it's just complete misunderstanding one of mulan and two of the me too movement you yeah. know the yeah. me too movement isn't against an underling woman falling in love with her boss 
it's almost insulting. It's like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. We can't have love. We can't have relationships. Okay, I yeah. get it. It's like, no, you, you didn't get it at all. Yeah, you didn't get it at all. Yeah. Um, so They also added this weird witch character. Right. Which, which I don't know which if that's I'll, in the legend or something, but... No, uh, no, there was not in the way that it was, which I'll get into in a second. Um, so Nikki Caro, the director, once, you know, all the criticisms came out, it was just like, so you wanted to make a movie in, in 2020 about China, a Chinese story with Chinese people and everyone in charge of the movie is white? Like, <laughs> it, did it, did, were there no... Asians that could have worked on this were there are there no Asian writers in the world are there no Asian directors you know what I mean especially with China like China has some amazing like production you know movie production yeah <laughs> they, they probably so. have because they have you know so many people they've probably got like a hundred I don't know ten times more competent directors in China than they do in the white world anyway and Jet Li's even in this movie and yeah. you would think it would, you you could grab some of his crews <laughs> yeah and he was terrible too I, I thought yeah, his, I was his... so sad because first of all I didn't recognize him and then I was like oh, they wasted him yeah I've uh, never been a huge Jet Li fan anyway I'm, I'm, I'm chow yun fat all the way uh, but she responded to the criticism by saying although it's currently important although it's a critically important Chinese story and it's set in Chinese culture and history there is another culture at play here which is the culture of Disney, and that the director, whoever they are, needed to be able to handle both. And here I am. So, Berto, do you have any idea what she's talking about there? The culture of Disney? She's saying, okay, this is a very important, critical, important Chinese story about Chinese uh -huh. culture and history. But there's another culture at play here, which is the culture of Disney and you need a director that understands Disney, and that's where I came in. Do you understand what she's talking about there? Because I don't understand what she's talking. She seems to be justifying a white <laughs> all person. That, all that, by, yeah. What it's, oh, my gosh. I hope it's not that. I mean, I guess what, what, what they're trying to say, is it, is it a woman? Nikki I guess Cario. What, what she's trying to say is, hey, look, uh, Disney has a very specific way to make movies, and you got to understand how that works. And I'm the only person in the world that could have done that. Yeah. So you're saying that there isn't a single Asian person on the planet who'd be able to work well with the Disney system? That there's probably already Asian directors working in the Disney system. Wouldn't that be a flag already? Like, wait, wait, why? Yeah. <laughs> what about the Disney system would make that impossible? Right. Yeah. Uh, then she also goes on to say, firstly, I resist the idea that you tell someone you you can tell what story. Uh, you know, firstly, I resist the, resist the idea that you can tell someone who can tell what story. That sounds a little bit like censorship to me. Berto, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, I don't disagree. I, I think in general, like, it's... I think it's... The point is about uh, quantity and, like, historical context, right? So, um, it's not like... Well, yeah, it, you know, we see Disney movies directed and produced by Asian uh, folks all the time. We've seen Colombian directors. We've seen a wide variety constantly. Uh, so, so what? So this one was a, a white woman. So what? Um, no, it's, it's, you know, I think it's, it's a pattern. And then specifically, like this is a, a very culturally significant movie. Blah. So, I mean, if anything, it was, it was an opportunity to sort of like, 
make sure that that you gave an to gave an opportunity to to uh, um, a, a Chinese director or something, you know. Yeah, um, and which we'll get into in a second. They clearly didn't understand how Chinese culture works. Like the the whole notion of qi was completely changed <laughs> and whiteified for the movie. So we'll get into that in a second. So it's not like you can just plop a white person uh, and expect them to understand those kinds of things. You know what I mean? I, I, I might, but I, I'll say strongly that I do believe that, you know, people should be able to do things and stuff. That said, if this movie had been amazing, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. And, and I think that's the point. It's like yeah. after people saw the movie, they're like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. is it? Partly because of white people. And again, Disney has literally trillions of dollars. They can't find an Asian director that is competent. They can't find an Asian writer that's competent. Nope. Like, that doesn't exist in the world. That just you proves that, like, the Disney culture, Kurt. Yeah. You don't understand the Disney culture. I mean, at the very least, optics, right? Like, it's 2020. Like, just what is, what's the problem here, you know? Um, they also were filming in uh, Xinjiang, which is where there's a lot of what they're calling internment camps, but other people might call them prison re-education camps of oh, geez, really? uh, Muslim uh, Chinese people, Uyghur people, um, torture, sterilization, stripping away their culture and religion. It's basically a holocaust that's happening right now in China. Oh, my God. And some of the filming uh, took place in that area one which is like so you're gonna go there and you know imagine if during the holocaust of world war ii an, an american director just happened to go to auschwitz you know and yeah. just and <clears throat> in the town nearby yeah even though it was well known that auschwitz was killing all these jewish people it's like well but you know the scenery really worked for our it's it, really pretty yeah it's a really good place to shoot this movie it's like we we just had a few problems because there were all these smokestacks in the background, so we had to work around that. Yeah. Um, and in the uh, thank you zone of the credits, they thank the uh, the government of that area. Oh. Okay, that is so surprising. Wouldn't they know better? Yeah. You're you're Disney, or I don't know. Google it. <laughs> Doesn't everyone know that there are atrocities happening in China right now? Doesn't everyone know that? Especially if you're there? I mean, did no one... Like, by the way, this is where the terrible stuff has been happening that people have been talking about in the news. Might we want to think about that before we do something here? Or yeah. should we actually... Because you don't have to thank the government. You wouldn't. I mean, say you shot it there because you're just like, well, we're trying to be accurate to... The region we didn't want to film in a look-alike region. We want to say we actually shot in the region that this story is supposed to take place, and we donated all the funds to relief organizations. Yes, working with the, you know whatever. Yes, exactly. But of course, appeasement to the Chinese because this was mainly made as a sure Americans will see it, but the Chinese, you know, this is one I of see. our big breakthroughs as Disney into the Chinese market, and it's just like I don't know, I. I always just wonder, and we'll get into like all the stupid things about this movie, but I always just wonder like every product, every, you know, like, I'm, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I heard that during the Roman uh, Republican Empire, 
when they would do a, a triumph for a general. Uh, Julius Caesar would come back after 10 years campaigning in Gaul and would have brought back riches and prisoners and slaves and, and glory and more land for the, for the republic. And they'd throw a triumph and there'd be this giant parade that would last several hours where they'd have animals and slaves and prisoners and, yeah. you know, just a whole spectacle for the Roman citizens to cheer. And, and only very special people got, got these triumphs. And it was one of the biggest things you could possibly have happen to you and your family. If someone in your family had a triumph, it was like you, you were like one of the coolest people in, in the society. And, and it was such a, a, a boon to your self-esteem. And, and at the very end of the triumph, you yourself, Julius Caesar, would be paraded down on a chariot and every, everyone's, yeah, you know. And yeah. sometimes they'd literally be throwing money into the crowds of just like, I got so much. And they, I don't know if this is apocryphal, but, but I always liked this image. They would have a slave stand next to Julius Caesar or whoever was getting the triumph. And that person's job was to repeat the line, you are mortal. Oh, I've heard of this. Yes. <laughs> you are mortal. Yeah. You are not a god. You are you feel like a god. You're being treated yeah. like a god, but you're mortal. You're just yeah. a you're just a human. Yeah. Over and you're mortal. You are going to die. <laughs> you yeah. are just like everyone else. And I just wish that every big, you know, episode 9 uh, Mulan 2020 <laughs> had some just lowly nerd, just a just a film nerd like you and me, and they just they got paid minimum wage, but they just stood by the director and the writer said, "By the way, you don't know what you're doing. You're you're a flawed human being, and uh, remember that there's a world that is that is depending on you to make something good, and know that you probably need to look into this further." Have you asked around, you know, have you asked around enough? <laughs> I, I just wish that there was someone in there because I have this vision of like George Lucas and all these other people just with a bunch of yes people around. Yeah, them. it's the opposite. You are the greatest. Every you idea. make mistakes. This is, oh, this is so good, you know. And I've been in these kinds of projects before very briefly, like I'll sort of dip into this world. And it's like that, like. Everyone stands to win by being optimistic. Everyone stands to win by saying, this is the best thing ever. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't have any doubts. And it just creates this culture of obliviousness because, you know, these people aren't stupid. They, and if they could go back in time, they probably would have been like, uh, maybe not include thank you Xinjiang government for helping us. Yeah. You know, thank you, Adolf Hitler and Auschwitz uh, Commandant for accommodating our stay when we were shooting next to your uh, Holocaust uh, camp. Like, uh, I'm, I'm guessing they would go back and say, maybe we shouldn't have put that in there. <laughs> but of course, they're trying to sell the Chinese market, and that's a complicated thing because to a lot of Chinese people, they don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Right, Berto? Yeah, but it's like, you know, what do you compromise on? You know, do you do you take the extra money or do you 
kind of set an example for the world. Um, uh, if you're a corporation like Disney, do. you take the money. That's the, clearly what they are interested in. <laughs> They're not interested in, uh, on, on a global scale, creating good art in my, in my, I mean, so let's, let's look at Disney. Is there like a list of like Disney movies recently? Disney movies, 2010s. Um, because I just feel like the, the quality has just really dropped. I guess Moana, Moana was good, but then you have the Lion King, um, of course, everyone hated Tomorrowland, but I kind of liked it. I think the live-action ones haven't been good. Like, I did not like the uh, the remake of Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Or not Sleeping Beauty. Uh, what's it called? Beauty and uh, the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. I did not like it. Um, um, I guess... All the live-action ones have really... Yeah. The reboot of Tron, I thought, was okay. Uh, of course, Coco was amazing. So I guess it's kind of a mixed bag. Aladdin. The animation ones are different, right? Like especially the Pixar ones. Of course, we're still going to have high quality, but yeah. Um, anyway. And you're right. I love Moana. Moana was amazing. I think yeah. the live action ones specifically have not been great. Yeah. By the way, there's a whole string of live action ones coming out soon. Little Mermaid, Snow White, Lilo and Stitch, Hunchback. There's of a the... Little Mermaid one coming. Yeah. Uh, Pinocchio. Wait. Ba- did you say Lilo and Stitch live yeah. action? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bambi, Robin Hood, Her- oh, Hercules, and Peter Pan. Um, so actually, okay. let's go over the, the live action. Give me the Rotten Tomatoes. Beauty and the Beast 2017. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I'll give it a 60. Uh, 71. I actually didn't mind this one. I, I'm not I a, didn't look. Uh, I thought it was serviceable. I thought it was fine. I was uh, bored. Alice in Wonderland 2010. Alice, I didn't see that one, but I'll say... Probably seventy. Uh, Fifty-one. It was. <laughs> it was fine. It wasn't Johnny Depp in that. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But a hundred one Dalmatians, nineteen ninety-six. There was a live-action hundred one. Oh yeah, wait, with uh, with uh, Glenn uh, yeah, Close. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. That was. I think that was good. Uh, Eighty-five. Forty-one. What? Jungle Book. Okay. Maybe Jungle Book. Twenty sixteen. <laughs> Was that the one? Because there's been like a few live action ones. Uh, uh, okay. The most recent one, the CG. Uh, one. Okay, seventy. Uh, Ninety four. Okay. No, I actually like that one. I get confused because there was there was more than one CG Jungle Book in the last few years. Oh, was there? But, yeah, like one of them was Disney. The other one wasn't. Oh, Disney. that's right. The other one was like sort of rougher. I yeah. remember. Yeah. But I kind of uh, like the rougher one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cinderella, twenty fifteen. Cinderella. There was a live action Cinderella? Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know, 50. 84. <laughs> really? uh, Dumbo, 46. Aladdin, 57, even though it was, people talked about it like it was terrible, but apparently it wasn't that I, bad. I liked, I liked Aladdin okay, actually. I mean, there was, they added a song that was, didn't fit at all. It was, they wanted to give a song to the gal, the, 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 the girl. It didn't fit at all. But other than that, I, I thought it was good. I thought What's-His-Name did the best job possible considering what he was up against. Okay, so I'm just going to rattle off all the stupid crap in this movie. Okay, so like I said, it's unfunny. It's boring. There's no character development or, or any kind of interaction. It's mainly just focused on the main character, and um, and, you don't, and we're supposed to like be on a 
character journey with her, which um, I'll get into in a second that didn't really work. Um, I never once, and tell me if you agree or disagree, I never once thought she would lose. Yeah. I never... The stress was low. Yeah, there was no danger. There was... I never once thought, oh, she's in a bad way right now. I never once thought, oh no, what's going to happen? In... In the cartoon, there were many times when I thought, yeah. oh, she is a vulnerable creature who is pretending to be a man. Like, there's so many things working against her. Yeah. Uh, and she had to use her ingenuity. She had to, like, okay, you know what? I'm not as strong as some of these guys. I'm not as good with the sword as some of these other guys. But if I think a little harder, maybe I'll be able to figure out a way around this, you know? There, yep. There's various solutions to problems. If you if you just knee jerk reactions, sometimes that's not the right way. You know, sometimes yeah, you want to ride. You want to ride toward the bad guys with the uh, fireworks. Be, right. You know, because the avalanche thing. You know, this one they seem to do more of like a yeah, because like the 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 scenes where the, she was struggling, it was really like like not impactful. And then the only reason she succeeded in her training is she just tried harder but but that isn't even true she's a magical creature she 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 has midi chlorians that's <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> and that and, that, and that's how they that's how they yeah. uh, oh that's what, fair that's fair you're right she has magical midi chlorians that's true she has magical chi but that isn't even what chi is and i i, I don't know because i'm not chinese but i watched other youtube reviewers kind of try to explain how this movie was getting chi wrong and i didn't really understand it but but they were clearly saying, no, you, you white people see chi as like, kind of like the force. <laughs> but it does minimize, right, right. And it also really minimizes the whole idea of like, of a, a, an empowered woman. Because yeah. it's, it's not the every woman that could have, like just because of her will and her love for her people and stuff. No, it's because she was the chosen one with the midichlorians. Yeah, she, and we don't even know why. She was the chosen one. She was apparently, apparently in this world, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way they made it seem in this world is some people are just born with midichlorians. Some yeah, people are yeah. just born with chi. Yeah. I mean, because she, her dad was powerful, and then so she inherited from her dad. Did her dad have chi? Like that apparently, way? Apparently when he was younger, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Because her sister didn't have chi. Her no. sister was raised in the same exact environment as she did, but her sister had none of that power. Well, it's just like Luke is better at at Jedi stuff than Leia. <laughs> right. Well, actually, so uh, the analogy I thought of was Luke versus Rey. Like, <laughs> right. like Luke in the original trilogy, yeah, particularly, good, yeah. he worked hard to be not very powerful. <laughs> yeah. Like, even though he was special. Yeah. But I interpreted it at the time when when I was watching it. This is before the you know, episode one through three added midichlorians was that Luke was just, you know, he was taught by very smart people to get in connection with the force. Also, there's way too much CGI. Nothing looked real to me. Even the non-CG scenes were shot and edited in a way that made it feel very artificial. Did you pick up on that? Interesting. Well, I was watching it in a, on a projector outside. It wasn't very high fidelity. So, you know, I didn't catch too much detail. Well, 
I think it played into that thing of like you don't really worry about her because when things are overly CG, you know, styled, you just don't. You're, there's something about it where your body just picks up like, oh, there's this is a cartoon. But even the <sighs> but even the cartoon, I worried about her, you know. So even a cartoon, I don't know. There's but, something more about it because did you watch the new Clash of the Titans? Yeah. Okay, that was so bad and one of the problems is what you're saying like you have all these creatures and stuff but none of it felt like risky because there is some weird quality when you have when you have overly rambunctious cg that it's like i had the same feeling in transformers it was like all this cg clashing and it's just it doesn't feel impactful or real or something yeah i think it's two things now that we're talking about it because I would have said, well, CGI ru- ruins this, but I don't think that's true. Because well, th- like Jurassic Park had CG, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think it's, I think it's a combination of two things. One, it's the writing. You need to, you know, like with Jurassic Park, the writing and the scene production and the camera work and the, the way you set up the tension, the suspense, will make it feel tense regardless of what techniques you're using in any, you know, whether it's CGI or cartoon or, you know, real life. But I also think another part of it is, do we believe that the actors are actually in the world, you know, or because when we see a cartoon, we we we're not looking for actual human beings. The whole thing is cartoon. We know that yep. our our brain registers right. it as this whole thing is is a is a drawings on. So we sort of if if the film is good enough, we just sort of hand ourselves over to that. You know, we're not we're not checking in with like you know where's the real actor in there. But when we're using live action with CG, like with like using Jurassic Park as an example, when the kids are in the upside down SUV. They're actually in an upside down SUV and there's actual mud outside yeah. the SUV and the car, when it gets knocked by the T-Rex, the car, there's a physical car on a gimbal that actually swings and then they add the CG uh, T-Rex later, right? Yep. So it feels visceral. You can feel the mud and the humans and the tears and the car and the screeching of the metal, you know? It's like Lord of the Rings compared to The Hobbit. Right. You know, when you watch The Lord of the Rings, especially like, you know, just maybe at the time it was even better. I don't know now. I haven't watched it in a while, but it felt real to me. I was like, oh man. The the assault on Helm's Deep, there are... They 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 constructed out of wood like this giant wall, and they had actual guys dressed up in Urukai outfits, yeah. rushing the wall in the rain, you know. And right. and whereas in the Hobbit, they the just said, "Well, the goblins that yeah. looks so bad." Yeah, we'll just we'll just make everything CG. Yeah, and and it and so you don't get a sense. You know, we're not that good. We like to think we're good at CG, but we're not that good yet. And uh, so maybe that's what, anyway. So yeah, when I was watching this, never did I think, oh, she's in danger. I never once worried, what's going to happen? I was like, well, she's magical and she's never been in danger. She never seems to be worried about anything. <laughs> like she goes into battle for the first time in her life. You know, she's on that left flank thing, which is a whole other yeah. stupid thing. But 
uh, and she rushes off into battle. She seems like she's been there a thousand times. She's like, oh, here we go. You know, just another day at the office, just kill all these people, you know. And, and, and then she takes care of them all, by the way. Yeah. Like, at no point does she, is she, like, sweating or <laughs> worried or, you know, everything is just another day at the office. It's just a terrible way to write a film. You're, you need your character. If, if your character, the whole moral of the story is you are a, a, a woman in a man's world and again, the cartoon just does this beautifully because yeah. she's a regular girl who was yeah. raised as a regular girl. She has no special powers. She loves her father so much yep. that she's willing to die on the battlefield. And it's sure going to happen because she, because one, the enemy is great. And two, she knows nothing about fighting. She's never, but. Yeah, she loves her father that much that she sacrificed and rides off, you know, uh, in in the rain to join the army, and you know things aren't going to go well for her. Yeah, and, and best case scenario, she dies and no one realizes that she's a man, that she's a girl. Um, the like father nine, is nine billion times out of nine billion and one. Yeah, it, that would have happened. <laughs> yeah, the father is like isn't worried, oh my gosh, she's going to humiliate us. He's thinking, she's going to die. Yeah, right. In in the 2020 version, it's just about honor. Like, it's just about, yeah. she's going to, you know, she's going to get humiliated. Anyway. Um, oh, by, by the way, the um, the other thing about her, like, feeling like, you know, oh yeah, it's, it's a battle. I've been here, done that, that kind of thing. Um, the other thing that's not adding the suspense is, in the original, the bad guy there was one bad guy and he was super effective. Yeah. Right. Super scary. Now I love, uh, Jason Lee, um, in a lot of things he's done and stuff like that. And he was, you know, they did a reasonable job with the makeup and stuff like that. But first of all, he wasn't impactful enough and he was diluted because of the witch character. So it was like, right. There wasn't a, a really scary, threatening antagonist. Well, and with the added element of magic, and you know, you essentially the emperor was a witch, uh, the bad guy was right. a witch, the witch was a witch, yeah. and what's her name was a witch, and Mulan, Mulan. was a witch. Yeah. So at that point, you're like, well, so these are like superheroes. They're yeah. like Thor walking around in a in a world of mortals. These people, and so what's what are the rules? You know, if you kept it. As these are just human beings, even though the bad guy in the 1998 film was very powerful, he was still a mortal. Yeah. He was still someone who had to ride a horse and, sh you know, could only shoot one arrow at a time. <laughs> and, you know, he was just ruthless and his he was a leader of an army that was ruthless. And he and was it made the rules. It made the rules consistent. We knew what to expect. Yeah. Whereas in a movie where you introduce magic and you don't even set up the rules clearly. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Anything could happen at any right. minute. The magical people can catch arrows, but right. then the the witch decides to take an arrow. So, yeah. and so let's. I just want to talk about the arrow thing, which was I'm skipping to the end of my notes. But this <laughs> this part, as soon as it happened, that's when I turned on this movie because up until this point, I was like, well, I don't know. I guess there's some things to be said. But when this happened, I was like, oh my god. Me and Stacy both, we were just like, what? Okay, so let's look at arrows. All right. Mulan is shot 
as when she's still a dude is shot when she's chasing those guys. Right. Um, she dodges multiple arrows. No problem. She's she's Neo the Matrix. She she doesn't she doesn't care about arrows. She is she just she sees them. She does bullet time. They're gone. When she fully realizes her truth and she, you know she takes off her armor and lets her hair down, arrows are nothing to her. You know, in, in her fully truth form as she evolves into you know Jedi Master, um, arrows are nothing to her. Okay, so there's that. Um, the evil guy, the evil warrior guy he cat he can catch arrows okay um so arrows in this world <laughs> to the magical creatures are clearly not a problem nothing to worry about all right so for some reason the witch decides to switch sides the last minute and and she decides okay now that i see mulan is in charge of an army which was a whole other thing like why did they they didn't have to give her a charge of army, but whatever. Okay, so she's in charge of army. The witch is like, oh, I'm now inspired. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join Mulan because that's what I always wanted was women empowerment. All right. But no, the bad guy shot a single arrow from like 500 yards away. <laughs> the witch would have been like, well, Mulan's a magical creature. Uh, the arrow isn't going to hit her. <laughs> One – the shot has to be pretty effing good. Two, Mulan knows how to dodge arrows. I've seen her do it. <laughs> I've seen her avoid single arrows, you know, multiple arrows coming out at the same time. So, okay, so, but somehow she thinks it's not going to work. Okay, fine. Let's, let's give that. Well, the witch knows how to manipulate arrows. Right. So... She could have flown next to the arrow and knocked it off its course. It was a magical arrow. No, it was a freaking regular arrow. So, and so she doesn't do that. Instead, she takes the arrow. She flies ahead of the arrow, stops, allows the arrow to go into her. If she's That's flying, she, the arrow went. She flew. At some point, she was going next to the arrow. She could have used one of her wings to go, blunk, clip. Yeah. But no, she had some reason for suicide that can't be explained. She felt guilty for her actions, you know. She was like, man, I shouldn't have been such an evil witch. Uh, well, I, I need to take an arrow to the knee. They certainly didn't uh, describe that very well. Um, so the, oh, the other part, the part where I was like, uh, wait, what? And then when I thought about it later, I was like, come on, is, and answer me this, Berto, why did she reveal that she was a woman? <laughs> yeah, um, that was puzzling. <laughs> I think it was supposed to feel like a moment of empowerment, <laughs> but it was a terrible tactical and strategic blunder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's look at the circumstances. She is in her hometown, the... Yeah. Emperors, people come. You know, we need a we need a summit from every family. Dad says I'm going. She's like, oh, I don't want him to go because that's going to hurt him. I want to save him. So she goes instead. She acts like she's a man. Okay. So her mission is what to save her father's life. That's right. She's not she's not trying to empower women. Yeah. She's she doesn't want she doesn't care. She's like I just don't want my dad to die, and I want to do right by my family. Okay. Yeah. So. She manages to trick the army, which is a feat. She's now doing pretty well, you know, and she uh, is getting in touch with her chi, her force, her midi-chlorians. She climbs the mountain. She's getting the respect of people. 
Right. She uh, is allowed to suit up for danger times. Uh, she chases after the bad guys. She prevails as a dressed as a dude. She right. she does some pretty kick ass work. The witch comes down and says, "You're not being your true self." The witch is the enemy. Okay. Yeah. So logic would say your mission has not changed. You still care yeah. about your father. You still want to be a part of the army. You still want to make right by your family and you're already doing it you have effectively saved your father's life you're yeah. doing pretty well in the army you're gaining the respect of the army all you got to do is go back and say look what i did uh yeah. i kicked some ass and everyone else died in my my quote-unquote left flank of just 10 horsemen yeah. uh which is the smallest left flank of all time um <laughs> i um, I'm the sole survivor of all 20 of us because the 10 bad guys are dead and nine and I took guys. out all these bad guys. Yeah. You know. So look at me. Let's 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 continue. It's the because the witch says I know you're a woman essentially, and I don't know how she knew, but whatever magic. Oh, Kirk, that's because women can tell other women apart. <laughs> yeah, they're on the similar cycles or something. <laughs> I can feel my cycle being pulled to yours. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's a good thing we're in the patron zone right now. Um, <laughs> it's so, just like men can tell other men, right? Yeah. I can tell, I can tell you're a man, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, she, she wins the day, she survives, and at that point, she's like, okay. So, the way that it's, it's laid out to us is that she's not being her full force power self because she, yeah. isn't, cause she hasn't admitted that she's a woman because she's being untruthful. That's right. She can't realize her full military power, even though she already is so good. She's already better than all the other uh, soldiers by far. She's not in danger at all. She could kick the ass of so many enemy soldiers. What? So she needs to be even more badass? Okay. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, but at that point, um, when she, okay, so so they could have rewritten it to make it a little bit more cohesive where... She's riding back still as a guy. Then she sees her friends getting, you know, they're getting wasted. She's trying to do what she can to save them dressed as a man. Yep. But then in that moment, she's like, this time of truth, because we're all going to die. So unless I change into a woman here, that's the only way out of this. Yep. It's, it's either all my friend or that guy I love, he's going to die. But no, she changes into a man or woman before she even comes back, she doesn't yeah, yeah. know what's happening. As far as she knows, the, you know, the good guys are winning. So the only reason why she changed it was because the witch said, you could be even more powerful if you are a woman. Now, yeah. she knows she's going to get kicked out of the army. She knows that. Then when she, she lays down and says, you know, I'm, I'm a woman uh, and I... I, but I want, she's he's like, you know, the sentence is to be kicked out. She's like, but I want you to kill me. Okay. So <laughs> when she is sitting away from everyone else and the witch just said, you know, da, 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 and almost kills her and flies away. She's thinking, hmm, okay, I'm going to turn into a woman, even though I don't know if I need to or not. I'm going to go back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick some ass. And then I want to be killed. I want I'm going to die. Dishonor my father. Yeah. Ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm going to ru- and, and, and potentially even kill my comrades for associating with me or kick right. them out of the army. So that's her plan. Self-destruction. Well, in the, Kirk, I mean, you know women. <laughs> in the cartoon, <laughs> let me lay out how it worked out, which is, you know, a third grader could write this, okay? In the cartoon, if people don't remember, she is acting like a guy. She's terrified of being called out as a man because she should be terrified. Right. She's not a magical creature because why? Um and as you pointed out, Berto, this story is not a story of female empowerment. It's a story of magical creatures empowerment. It has nothing yeah. to do with the fact she's a woman. It just has everything to do with that she's a magical witch. So in the, in the cartoon, when they add the magic bit, which is like the, the dragon, um, we actually are, are pretty quickly given the rules of engagement, which is like, okay, these, uh, these gods are going to send an emissary to like help out here. But we, we are shown that this emissary apparently is not like an all-powerful fire-breathing dragon. He's like more like a conscious, like a Jiminy Cricket kind of thing. Right. And, and that's pretty much the extent of the magic, you know? It's right. like we're giving pretty clear rules of engagement. And it is still clear that our heroine is a, a human. <laughs> right. And it's couched in a tradition of Chinese, of ancestor connection, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, okay, uh, where was oh, so so in the cartoon, she's a woman uh, acting like a man, and she is uh, she has no aspirations of outing herself because she knows the consequences because she's a rational thinking human being. In a battle where she is j- just a human fighting alongside other humans, but she's very you know um, uh, smart about things. She gets injured and passes out due to blood loss. While the doctors are working on her, they discover that she's a woman. Right. She doesn't out herself because why? Right. She, the only reason why she's discovered is because she was unconscious due to chivalry in battle. That's a third grader would write that. that of course, that's how she's outed. Of, of yeah. course, she's outed because of her good, self-sacrificial warrior acts. Of course, and beyond that, her control. And beyond her control, because in what universe would it make sense for her to at one point act like she's a woman, a man, <laughs> and then later not care and flaunt it openly? But Kirk, he had a, she had a conversation with the witch. Yeah. Um, the other thing was, was like, I, you know, I, I wish that this is a complaint I have about a lot of scripts. Um, a lot of superhero movies are like this as well, where I think I've called it this before, where it's, it's called like ability creep. What did I call it before? Yeah. Power creep. Power creep. Yeah. Where Iron Man this 1. happens with, Yeah. Iron Man 1, he's a dude in an iron suit with some special powers. He can fly, he can shoot things. By the end, Iron Man, the Iron Man suit is basically this suit of anything. It can do anything. <laughs> yeah, you mean by like the later Avenger movies, it's like yeah. magic, complete magic. Yeah, it, it can literally hold on to the Infinity Stones, yeah. which is, according to the universe of the you know, Avengers, is... A very, very 
you know, universe top level engineering magical right. thing to begin with. But somehow his, uh, you know, his ingenuity or something somehow was able to do anything with his. I mean, I'm surprised that his iron suit wasn't a time machine as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so uh, in this movie, they have the bad guys running up walls. Why? You know, how does that move the story forward? Essentially, you're saying, we're now in a world that you don't understand, where bad guys can run up walls. Now, I understand that Chinese kung fu action movies sometimes have these kinds of elements, but but I don't know. I But that's just a different kind of story. Like, we love, I, I mean, I loved uh, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden yeah. Dragon. I love yeah. Hero with, with Jet Li and stuff. Uh, but that's those stories. I think... If you want to tell that story, that's fine. And I guess that's what they were doing. I, I think it did a disservice to the Mulan story. Yeah. Uh, oh, my last thing here. This is, this is a doozy. Okay. So in the cartoon, the, the most, the big, one of the first biggest moments of crisis is when the bad guys are coming down the mountain towards them. Yeah. And they're this, you know, they're, they're all going to die. There, this overwhelming evil army coming. It's a last stand. And the good guys are like, you know, we better run. But then Mulan is like, wait a second. I have yep. the answer. She grabs one of the bazookas yep. and she runs towards the enemy. And everyone's like, where's Mulan? What? What's Mulan doing? And there's this beautiful scene. Just imagine if they had recreated some version of oh. this in live action. It is a beautiful edited sequence where she is running through the snow and you just see the the army coming down the mountain. And and I remember watching I'm like what is she doing? Yeah. You know what, what is is it a is it a, a kamikaze run like what is happening? And then right at the last minute as and I'm getting chills just thinking about it, the bad guys are right there. She plants that bazooka in the ground, launches mm-hmm. it. It 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 goes over, and everyone's like, "Oh no, she missed! Mi- ha, 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 you missed me!" You missed. And she's like, "No, I didn't. Or I didn't. You know, I didn't miss." Hits the the mountain. The the avalanche starts, and uh, and she really struggles actually to yeah. you know get on her to horse escape. and and escape. There's a whole sequence where her friends fall off the edge, and then the big guy yeah. has to save them all. And yeah. you know, it's a pretty, pretty cool scene. That's again, I haven't seen this movie in ten years. I can remember a lot of different details from it. Okay, I've never seen a scene like that in a movie. That's a yeah. kind of in, that's an interesting written action scene. Okay, yeah, um, not easy to write those kinds of things. Okay, so in, in Mulan 2020. <laughs> Uh, same thing. You have the bad guys with a with a trip. Okay, the witch is distracting them, and they are, uh, you know, forming up into these these circular pods. And then with a trebuchet, yeah, that has a rock in it, and they're putting flammable oil on it. And by the way, what year was this that they had trebuchets? Uh, they might have had trebuchets. Okay. I don't know, but let's just give that to them. But somehow they're able to hit things precisely with a trebuchet, which is impossible. That you know, yeah. trebuchets are meant for sieging a castle where yep. it's not hard to miss a castle. You know, or you're just sending them at a sea of people. And, yeah, you know, you're hoping it'll hit people. Yeah, and and also 
the the original bad guys they were Huns, right? Or they yeah. they were basically which is a racist thing to say as well. It's yeah. Is a Hun a racist term? Well, no. It, to implicate them as being these evil hordes is. Oh, is, I see what you're saying. Okay, fair yeah. enough. But what I meant was uh, their 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 battle style was actually uh, they were horse riders and they were fantastic. You know, at hand to hand dealing death at hand to hand and. So, like, I don't know, were these, were the ones in this movie not the same? Uh, yeah, they were the the actual ballad identified bad guys. I see. Okay. So this was actually technically more accurate in that sense. The the racial group is I is see. the okay. racial group in the ballad. Oh, so I saw what threw my point. <laughs> but, but, like, your point is that the bad guys in the cartoon, they had a thing. You know, they're very yeah. good at, at horse riding and that sort of thing. In this movie, what? They're good at trebuchet? Like they're good at magic and tri- well, they have a magic user and they're trebuchet users. Yeah. Um, so one, uh, the trebuchet is a, a very accurate. Uh, two. <laughs> oh no, it's the trebuchet warriors. Um, uh, Isn't but, that a French term? Yeah, I don't know what we call it here. <laughs> it, that was another thing. Four ounces can move a thousand pounds. Like, uh, did they have ounces in China back then? Anyway. Um, so not only that, but the the rock somehow explodes. Okay, give him that. Whatever. Um. So so Mulan's like, okay, I need to save my people. So this is the same scene. Yep, They're like same setup. the same bit. Yeah. Why a trebuchet? It's the most boring. You know, like, why wouldn't it be a horde of bad guys coming down the hill? No. Okay. Yeah. So her plan, which works surprisingly, is. She's going to try to do the same thing. She wants to get an avalanche going. Okay. Yeah. So she rides behind the bad guys. How do they not see her coming around? You know? Okay, fine. Somehow she gets around to the back. She starts to shoot them with arrows. Well, at this point, she's a magical creature. She could probably kill all of them with just arrows. There's not that many of them. And that shown us she was an amazing shot to start with. Right. So she could have, if she was, if she somehow got back there, she could have just sat there with 35 arrows and yeah, just picked them out. Just, or just went up to them and killed. I mean, she's a magical creature. She's anyway. Right. Cause, oh, because that's the other thing. In the original, you get the sense of how many of these warriors there are. You know, it's like, that's part of the thing that's overwhelming when they're coming down the yeah. mountain. It's like, and ah. she's a weak little warrior, a yeah. human, non magical creature that can't. You know, yeah. just do anything she wants. Anyway, she gets behind him. She starts harassing. She she puts these little decoy uh, couple helmets. The bad guys are winning. They're they're killing all the good guys. Yep. They could if they just kept at it for what's seeming to be just another three and a half minutes. The whole army's dead. They turn around. There's three bad. There's three good guy warriors behind them. <laughs> turn the trebuchets. <laughs> so they turn the entire trebuchet, which is again yeah. meant for castles, not for three people. Okay, and they have no knowledge of mountains because they've never lived in the world. Yeah. Um, why not just send five guys up the hill? You know what I mean? Um, or ignore it. You know. Uh, you know. Put your shield on your back or whatever. Anyway, hey, do what you see. What the other ones are doing with their shields. Do that. About these three people. Right. And then, so they turn the entire rig around. They fire one of these things at it. It sails. So in the beginning, they're, they're a dead shot with that trebuchet when they're, when they're nailing the guys on the field. Yeah. They turn around. They can't hit anything. It sails over her head. What seems to go 
a mile above her. No joke. Like not, I'm not even exaggerating it because, yeah. you know, to get to the avalanche snow, it's yeah, got, yeah. it's got to go all the way up to Timbuktu and it does, it sails over her head and she's like mission accomplished. Um, how does that make any sense? Yeah. And, and it's so less dramatic. It's so less well-constructed. No, tr- no drama. Yeah. Uh, essentially it just says, Oh, look how stupid the bad guys are. You know, they're just right. dumb. That's a, that's a good point. Like you, you never want your success to be, well, I mean, if you want great drama and intense stress and things, you don't want it to be because the bad guys are stupid. You want it to be because <laughs> they were actually brilliant. And in fact, this is what's so great about movies like, like some of the better bonds or some of the better movies out there where like, you're actually like, wow, that bad guy's really clever and bad. And like, I don't know how Mr. Bond or whoever is going to get out of this one. But they still do. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's I have my better. own. I have my own complaints about the Bond <laughs> movies, where the guy is too smart. Like, have you actually seen the breakdown where uh, Javier Bardem? You know that that no, no, no. Work. But but, but the, about that movie. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I I, I hate that movie because yeah. of that because it's like he's I too smart. Like, yes. But but if you talk about like Casino Royale or something, it's like. You feel threat from the bad yeah. guy. It's Again, not an idiot. Or the nineteen ninety eight cartoon. Or which the nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, presumably right. they saw where yeah. these guys are ruthless, powerful, strong, good warriors, much better yeah. than the sort of rabble of the general conscripted troops of the Chinese Imperial Army. And it took a very scrappy, smart, you know. You know, ingenuity woman yeah. to figure out how to take them all down, and it was genius. Anyway, yeah. I can't, I can't talk about it. Anymore. I just let's rattle through other things we've watched recently. <laughs> uh, and if you're still listening, you know, thank you for <laughs> indulging me, people, because it's just been I don't know how long. Hit a raw nerve. <laughs> it's just been like an hour of me just ra- ranting and raving about. I thought we'd be through five movies at this yeah. point. <laughs> well, I don't have very much notes on it. Uh, the Boys. Uh, have you seen the second season? No, I have not. Oh, okay. But I've read the whole series, so you're probably right. not going to so spoil anything. <laughs> I loved the first season. It's a 10 out of 10. What's it for you? Uh, yeah, I'd give it um, probably a 9. Yeah, it was really good. Second season is boring, confusing, too many character arcs. Uh, Did they add a Russian? Is there a Russian character? Uh, no. A big, big, big Russian? Uh, I don't know. They might have. No. I sort of blocked it all out. Okay. I mean, the saving grace is I think there's only six episodes, so you don't have to sit through much of I it. See. But, but um, it, it, it was – I didn't understand it. The first season – was eternally understandable. Like every step of the way, you're like, okay, you know, I'm now, I now know a little bit more. This, this season, I'm like, wait, what is happening here? Anyway, didn't enjoy did, it. Did uh, did the good guys end up using the V compound or whatever? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, so which would have been more interesting, I guess. Okay. Um, Umbrella Academy. Have you seen it? I have read it. I haven't seen the show. So Stacy was watching it earlier this year during the pandemic times. And I, uh, so when I'm working on the podcast late at night, like she, she's in the living room watching some TV and she's been watching a lot of crazy ex-girlfriend, which actually I, I enjoy. Um, it's, it's a pretty fun show. 
sometimes she'll watch Friends or something. But she was watching this show, and Umbrella Academy. And I'd walk by and I'd be like, huh, that looks kind of what interesting. But I thought it looked kind of... A chimp. <laughs> yeah, it looked kind of silly. Um, then second season comes out and I started occasionally watching it as I'd walk by. And then yeah. by the end of season two, I was sitting down and watching full episodes with her, uh-huh. having no idea what was happening, but still enjoying <laughs> it. Yeah. And then at the end of season two, I was like, she, I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. I, I, go, I, I was like, I wish I would have watched it with you. She's like, well, we could start over if you want. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. So oh. we watched all the way through season one and season two, and I loved it. It's Have they only had the two seasons? Yeah. Uh, Do you so, have any idea if it's close to the graphic novel? No idea. I mean, I okay, could tell you I, the general gist of what happened. I mean, I've seen the, the previews, and the, the it looks obviously like the same characters and, and everything. Yeah. Um, so... And I love the gra- the graphic novels like super creative like I mean in the sense that you don't I it's a story like very different than other graphic novel stories that I've read I didn't expect a lot of the things like I usually you know I'm like okay well I bet you this is what's and it's like well wait what this came and and what I thought it was about at first was like not what it was about it was just really interesting yeah yeah there's a number of twists that are very good and. It kind of reminded me of 100 Bullets. Remember reading that? Um, yeah. In that yeah. each character just felt, I just wanted to know. You know, in 100 Bullets, you, you, you follow these little chapters of like, we now see this guy and we, we sort of follow him around. And, yep. And each character in Umbrella Academy is just so fully realized and just so interesting that. I wish each one of the main characters had their own TV show. <laughs> you know, I just want to be like, I want to yeah. know more. I want to watch more of that person. Um, and the power creep on this show is is not a problem. Right. Uh, the The characters are not overpowered. Some of the characters' powers are like not a, like um, uh, they're unusual. They're not like, yeah like, standard. Like, yeah, Klaus, for example, he can he can talk to the dead. They can talk to him. Yeah. For a long time, it's unclear if that's a, a, a help at all. In fact, it's a huge hindrance. He has to use drugs to, like, cope with it, you know? Yeah. And so there's all these things like that. And the most powerful one is, um, you know, What's-Her-Face, uh, played yeah. by, um, oh, what's-her-name, uh, Ellen Page. And Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that she was in it. Yeah. And... But her powers are not like out of control, you know. It yeah. of the of the group, she's got a pretty powerful thing, but it's not so powerful that like it's um, not moving planets and right. fighting galactic beasts. Yeah, it's not Jean Grey, you know, yeah. where it's just un unlimited power, you know. Um, By the way, you know who the writer is? No, it's the lead singer for My Chemical Romance. Really? Yeah. Weird. It's crazy. Uh, the guy's name is Gerard Way. But like when I started reading the graphic novel, I was is he probably Asian? halfway. No, he's oh. a white dude. Oh. I was halfway into it. And I, I think I read the back or something. And it's like, Gerard, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, you know, chemical, my chemical romance. I was like, wow, that's a branch off. You know, like he's already a successful rock star. It's like a Will Smith kind of, kind of move. Did, you, did it give you hope that as a podcaster musician you could turn 
novelist. That's right. Yeah, I was like, if he can do it, if a success successful rock star can get his idea published, obviously I can. <laughs> um, yeah. So Umbrella Academy, I just found to be uh, so good, and you know, contrasting it with the boys, which I watched, you know, sim- in similar time frame. One, the boys is is a little too gory. Honestly, I find the gore. Season one, it didn't really bother me that much, but I guess watching season two and not really liking it that much, I was just <laughs> like, okay, you know, really? I don't think we need... It's like any excuse to have a a head explode or any, any body explode in the boys there doing it. <laughs> Whereas Umbrella Academy is in a very similar category of... Yeah. Uh, now, of course, it's based on, you know, more PG-related uh, material, but... Umbrella County is very similar in, in, in its sort of category, and there's almost no gore at all. And But it's so much more compelling and understandable, and I can't wait for season three. And the boys, I don't think I'm going to watch season three, honestly. I, it just, a, it's like Heroes with season one was just so great, and then season two, I was just like, oh, God, is this <laughs> where this show is going? Like, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. The thing that I was hoping that the boys would do about halfway through the season, I was like, you know what? Um, the main character, Huey, in the season one, he goes on this sort of story arc that's very interesting. You know, he starts off yeah. as a regular guy. His girlfriend gets plowed through by the Flash, you know? Yeah. And he is sad and depressed and he, he meets the butcher who invites him into the anti-hero world and – you know, they're this scrappy little bunch trying to get back at these super powerful guys, and they have these tiny little successes along the way. Well, second season, where do you go with Huey's character? Because he's already in the the good guy uh, gang. Yeah. There's no real story arc, you know, unless you really depart from, you know, where he is. Like, you're not really interested in a story, and I wasn't. And But they kept kind of focusing on him. But I'm like, well... Mm-hmm. What's his story now? Like, what does he want? Um, the person I thought they would, they should, they should have focused on, maybe even throughout, was the butcher because the butcher has an interesting story. You know, uh, his he lost his wife, and you know, da da. Anyway, um, and then I thought of the wire. You know, the yeah. wire season one was so good, and they come they come out season two, totally different character that they're focusing on in the same world. Sometimes we check in with uh, yeah. with McNulty, but we're yeah. focusing on the woman at the docks. Yeah, and, and they could have done something like that. Yeah, I thought that's what you should do if you're like, mm, what do we do with Huey? I don't know. Let's you know what? Let's go butcher. You know, let's let's see his story, or let's let's follow uh, the deep on some totally different story arc. You know, let's let's get away right. from these other characters. So they definitely, and I think it's because of the medium, they definitely were able to do more of that in the graphic novel because they, um, you know, I think you get to explore. They don't, they don't blow all the information in the first graphic novel, you know. So it's, I think it's seven volumes or something like that. And, um, and, and you know, I'll say, like, to me, The Boys, I liked it a lot, the graphic novel, but it's not my favorite because there were, there were dips in my interest. But some of the better pieces of it were really good. But what they did do is they did a good job of keeping, like, the story alive. So, and of course, you know, 
they had maybe a little more freedom because it's it's a graphic novel. But um, and and then the other thing that's super different about the show versus the graphic novel, and I don't know if they were gonna go this way. In the graphic novel, when um, Butch uh, the Butcher um, recruits uh, little little Huey, um, they inject them with the V compound. Oh, so all of them, the boys, they're all super powerful too. And you would think, well, that's not as exciting because I thought the whole point is like they're just humans and the other. But actually, like it adds this level of fun because it's on the one hand you have like, what if Superman was a bad guy? Great, great question. And on the other side, you have what if like the equivalent of like CIA or something had superpowers and they're in charge of regulating these other superheroes. And those superheroes, some of them have even more powerful powers, but you still have powers. And it created a really interesting dynamic. But what, what power did Huey have in the book? <clears throat> and that's the thing. All they can do is they're they're super strong and and so like it made it a little more believable because like when they go against the supers, in reality, like if they're just humans, they're gonna get destroyed in one second. So in in the graphic novel, they are str- w- way stronger than a normal human and more resilient. So when they go up against the supers, they don't get killed instantly. They can uh. like punch and fight and stuff. But anyways. Uh, let's talk about Cobra Kai. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, tell me about Cobra Kai while I let my cat out of my, well, maybe she's calmed down. All right. Tell me about Cobra Kai. Yeah. So I, um, I heard about that this show was coming out. Then I heard it came out and I was like, oh, I was be- meaning to watch it, meaning to watch it, meaning to watch it. And I didn't until season two was out again. I, I wanted to watch it. I was huge karate kid fan as a kid. When karate came out, the first one, I had just started taking taekwondo lessons, and it was sort of like, I believed I was the karate kid. You know, I think I was nine years old. I watched the movie, and I was like, oh my gosh, that could be me. You know, I could take care of the bullies. I could get the the hot blonde girl, you know? And um, so it was really personal. And then when Karate Kid 2 came out, which, not as good, but as a kid, I still liked it. Um, I just, I was like, oh man, this is great. And I thought... It was so interesting seeing like Okinawa and like the mysteries of the martial arts and all these things. So it held a lot of uh, significance to me. Hated Karate Kid 3. It's it's terrible. Karate Kid 4, like the, the new Karate Kid is also bad. But um, when this thing came out, I was like, oh, this is interesting because they're going to take Johnny's side. Like what's happening? Uh, and sure enough, like I watched it. I was instantly hooked because they do this great job of like, wait a minute. You know, you just saw one side of the story. <laughs> like, we're going to show you the other side. Super good. Yeah. I, so my story with Cobra Kai is uh, similar in that Karate Kid came out. I was 13 years old, 1984. And it's one of the first, if not the first, maybe one of the first movie experiences that really moved me. Uh, you know, where you have that electric buzz that lasts for a while after you watch it. I remember yeah. that. Um, it was actually, uh, so I was in the seventh grade, first year, just started junior high, and I was um, dating um, a girl named Jenny. I won't give the last name because I don't know if I should, but um, it was like one of the first like dates I ever went on. She was a, a naughty daughter of a minister. <laughs> um, incidentally, you know Chris Huber, uh, my friend, um, he and Jenny were a thing before, you know, the previous year they were at a different school and then junior high, you know, there's a confluence of a few different elementary right. schools that come together. And, and, 
uh, Jenny liked me and my friend Chris Huber was really bummed out. Oh. I, I was like, oh, well, now Kirk stole my girlfriend. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, seventh grade stuff, whatever. But but anyway, I, I remember going there with her and I, and I remember sitting like in the front row because it was completely sold out. And oh. it would have been in Factoria, I believe. And, yeah, just an electric feeling. I mean, this movie is just made for people of you and my age yeah. at the time, 9, 13. It's just like... We are Ralph Macchio. We are Daniel's son. But, That's right. I, you know, I hate to take away from you a little bit, Berto, but, you know, I'm Japanese-American, and Pat Morita walks and talks like my dad. Not in the movie, because uh, in the movie sure. he, he has to act like he has a Japanese accent. You know, Pat Morita was born in yeah, the yeah. United States. But, um, but even so, there's a way in which Japanese men move in the world that is very Japanese. There's a Japanese body. Yeah. There's a way Japanese people stand and walk and talk, uh, and Japanese Americans in particular of a certain generation. And so Miyagi was like my dad, my grandpa, my uncles, my great uncles, my cousin. <laughs> he was so much of that family to me. And I didn't have a lot of Japanese friends, if any. And so my only access to this was through my family that I would see every now and then. And, you know, I would see a son of dad all the time, but like extended family, I only saw every now and then. And Miyagi was just like, it, 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 this guy was just, you know, he's so perfect. He's, yeah. he's compassionate and wise and able and kick-ass, but like yeah. humble and... Never brags and always has the right thing to say. And, you know, he's always, he can heal your wounds with, you know, <laughs> you know, his hands. And I love that scene where, this is by, we're going to spoil the whole, you know, Cobra Kai. I love that scene where uh, Daniel's son does that. He's like, okay, is a medic, any, is there a medic around? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the and, references are golden. <laughs> yeah, they really are. You know, like when Solo, when Han goes to, the line and you know they're like what's your name he's like han and then mm. uh he's like well last name he's like i don't have a last name i don't name. have one mm. and then and the guy's yourself, huh? the guy's <laughs> like mm. and of course everyone in the audience is like but his last name is solo and the guy goes hmm han solo, solo. like it's really drawn out <laughs> and, and it's and so it, bad it, it it it's written in a way that is trying obviously saying like look we're this is a little bit of fan service and but in, also in a, such a trivializing way like get it his last name's solo and he was alone at the line it was like no yeah. that's not what we imagined like that's terrible yeah we thought it was a name in that universe you know <laughs> oh my gosh anyway so with cobra kai they are referencing things left and right throughout every episode, and I am never put off by it. I mean, right. the show is basically a based on it, right? But yeah, and but Solo was too. You could argue, and yeah. the the that ability to strike that tone, where okay, so this is how I experience it. One, you can strike that tone of like referencing the old material in a in a way that aggrandizes. So you know. Karate Kid 1984 is not a great movie. I, I've watched it as an adult and said, oh, boy, 
I get how I liked it when I was 13, but as an adult, this movie has some cheese coming out of it. I mean, it yeah, is. It has some, it. <laughs> some ridiculous moments in it. Like, the writing is pretty bad. I watched it like two weeks ago. I still like it. <laughs> it you know, and I get it, but, and I, you know, obviously love that they reverse it, but, but the ability to elevate that movie yeah. through this new product the ability to create characters that are so interesting the ability to uh i can always tell if a movie is good by how much i cry and i've i've cried in almost every single episode of this yeah. tv show there's so many moments where i moved to tears like when they flash back to pat morita giving daniel son the car and you know bonsai bonsai you know my dad does yeah. that you know he my yeah. my family when it, there's a big moment you know there's three bonsais and oh man and all those little things and um, so obviously that's a connection i didn't have but but there was the sense like in fact what was weird about it is i knew no japanese people in my life at all i knew almost nothing about japan and so when i saw this movie i was so fascinated it was like this mystical it was like seeing star wars it was like this is another reality you know <laughs> so it was kind of weird like um it, it, it really was he was a yoda character for me you know yeah yeah which uh, of course that's the point <laughs> yeah uh just another couple deals here in my notes before we close out um so my family grew up loving Pat Morita because of Happy Days. He was on Happy yeah. Days. Um, and he's, you know, one of the only Japanese Americans on, on television. Um, so some trivia. Did you know that Karate Kid was a, kind of an autobiographical story written by the writer? At age 17, he was, no, beaten, up, he was beaten up by a gang of bullies, and he began to study martial arts in order to defend himself. He was unhappy with his first teacher who taught him martial arts as a tool for violence and revenge. Oh, but he moved on to study Okinawan karate, because um, that was always kind of an interesting detail. That's was awesome. That, was that um, and and under a, a teacher who was taught by a man named Miyagi. Yeah. But I always thought that was kind of interesting because Okinawa is a specific Japanese island. You know, it, yeah. it, it has a very specific culture, has some a lot of Chinese influences as well, and. I always thought it was interesting that he was Okinawan instead of just right. mainland Chinese or uh, Japanese. But anyway, um, oh, uh, and by the way, my 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 taekwondo teacher um, always reminded me, even though it's taekwondo is Korean, but it's derived. You know, I, I, he always reminded me of that sensibility too. Because first of all, we trained in the park. It wasn't in some dojo. It was in the park in nature. Uh, he didn't have a dojo, but like it was great because like we made do and. Um, and we, and it was very like his attitude and everything was very like matter of fact, like that Miyagi thing. And we would do a lot of these, not, not chores, but we would do a lot of exercises that if you didn't know better, you'd be like, why are we doing this? And so there's a lot of that stuff too. And his whole demeanor was always the same kind of, you know, we do this to grow as people and, and, you know, not to be violent. Like it was just really good. I, I really appreciated that about him. So he always reminded me of like a Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Right. A number of actors were considered for the part of Daniel, including Sean Penn, Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Nicolas oh Cage, God. Anthony Edwards, Tom Cruise, and Eric Stoltz. Oh, wow. Um, 
which is basically all the main Everybody. actors from that of that yeah. age of that time. You know, that's insane. Uh, but Ralph Macchio got it because the previous year he was in The Outsiders. You know, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. it for Johnny, man. Uh, Crispin Glover was considered for the role of Johnny. <laughs> But the studio later. Crispin Glover. Yeah. So this is yeah. So this is something that I think is kind of lost to history. Is that Crispin Glover before he was McFly, before he was the weirdo that we all know him today, he was like considered to be a regular up and coming main, you know, leading man. Yeah. He was considered to be kind of like uh, like a similar. Uh, actor Charlie Sheen or something, uh-huh. you know, a little quirky, but not what we know him today. So it sounds yeah. ridiculous that Crispin Glover would play Johnny, but back then he wasn't, <laughs> he hadn't been typecasted yet, you know. I see. Demi Moore was considered for the role of Allie, but Elizabeth Shue was cast based on her Burger King commercial that became popular <laughs> in the 80s. I remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Uh, I probably saw it as a result of being a fan of hers but yeah. i definitely remember that nominated best actor in the supporting role pat Morita. uh then karate kid 2 1986 uh came out i loved that movie as well um i, I didn't I like it as much as a man who will fight for, for your honor. honor and like I'll that <laughs> and that bad guy man whom we know in real life right so yuji okamoto <sighs> uh played chosen he is his his wife's family actually owns a Hawaiian restaurant in Seattle called Kona Kitchen, and Berto, you and I have performed there. We actually played yeah. the entirety of Rubber Soul uh, from yeah. beginning to end. You and you and I at, at that because they have a lounge there, and the bad guy in Karate Kid too is he sometimes is hanging out there. And, and one time we were there late at night drinking, and I don't know if you were there, but um, he just came out of the back because we had been talking, yeah. And he gave me a, a free span musubi late at night, which, which <gasps> oh, uh, delicious, which went really well. Um, I mean, and he's such a nice guy. Like, yeah. you know, when you see him the first time I saw him, even though he's older, I immediately got that sense of like, oh god, is he gonna kill us all? Yeah. <laughs> but he's the nicest guy, right? And then you said it, Karate Kid Three came out in 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just threw up in my mouth. I don't remember it, but I looked on IMDb because I've been keeping track of movie ratings since the 90s when that website first emerged. And I apparently had seen it because I gave it a 2 out of 10. <laughs> it's terrible, uh, But I don't remember that. Uh, Next Karate Kid, 1994 with Hilary Swank. Yep. Uh, did terrible. I don't yep. think I saw that. I actually liked the 2010 Jackie Chan, Jaden yeah, Smith. that was fun. Uh, I gave it 7 out of 10. I thought it was fine. That was a fun movie. Uh, Cobra Kai, I'd give 10 out of 10, of course. Um, so some other details here is that guy who was terminally ill and died, you know? Yeah, he really died, right? Yeah, he really was terminally yeah. ill and really yeah. died soon after making that episode. <sighs> That's crazy. I mean, I've never seen that in a, in a movie or TV where they actually incorporate a terminally ill character as being terminally ill. Yeah, the only, right. Because the only closest thing I could think of is in The Sopranos, but she wasn't terminally ill, the mom. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, there was a character in The Wire, one of the cops, anyway. Yeah. And they kind of But I mean, But it was, because you could tell, it's like, is he really sick? 
I didn't and then think that. I found out. I just thought like I, oh. I did. I I thought he looked like I, either they did a really good job making him look ill, or I was like, oh. But um, yeah, that was that was sad and touching. Yeah, I mean, talk about a callback to the original yeah. movie. I mean, it, and they got the other guys, the other yeah. Johnny friends involved, yeah. and they you know went to a bar and they're like, well, you know, we're grown men now. We're not. We don't like Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai was bad. You know, we were young kids at the time, you know. Gotta get him a body bag! Yeah. And then they put him in a body bag. Yeah. Did you, you know. Yeah. So, so for me, when I first heard about Cobra Kai, um, I, you know, it was a YouTube thing. Because originally it was just a, a YouTube show. So, oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. YouTube produced it, right? Yeah. And it was only on YouTube. You could only watch it on YouTube yeah. Red, which is now premium. And I remember thinking, like, oh, it's probably a joke. I mean, YouTube making a TV show. So I'm, And I remember watching a preview and just thinking, oh, this is, like, super low budget. Like, I don't know if I'm interested yeah, in that. Right. And the other thing I thought it was in response to was, I don't know, five or ten years ago, uh, some people or maybe one famous person put out a YouTube video breaking down the Johnny character yeah. from his Johnny perspective. Johnny was actually the the... No, or Daniel was the bully. Yeah, Daniel was the bad guy. I saw that video. <laughs> so, yeah, and I remember watching that video on YouTube and going like, huh, that's interesting. So when I heard about they were going to make this TV show from Johnny's perspective, I thought it was just kind of a continuation of that low-budget response. Yeah. And I thought it – I didn't think it was, you know, serviceable as an actual TV show. Then, you know, somehow I completely goes off my radar and then I hear from, I think, uh, Rebecca on the podcast talking, or maybe you. I told about, you. I told you. I was like, oh, oh man, you got to. Talking about how good it was. And I was like, what? That yeah. dumb YouTube TV <laughs> show? And so now it's on Netflix and yeah. started watching it. And oh, my God, it is just so good. Because all those original yeah. feelings I had. It's 13, also an 80s show. It's, it's like, even though it, it's all like modern and stuff. There's so much 80s-ness about it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just, it, it, I mean, it is the perfect TV show for these pandemic times, really. And I'm sad that I finished it so quickly with my wife. You know why I say it's 80s? Actually, and I just realized, because I'm like, why am I saying that? Okay. It's not cynical. It's not a cynical show. Right. That there is a sense, even though they do such a good job of playing with what's good, what's bad, and stuff like that. There's still a sense that there is right and there is wrong. Right. And and we're not super we're not that postmodern that we're like, yeah, it's all and 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 then it's great. Like we see it from Johnny's side, but we see that there's still a limit to the philosophy. Yeah. And I just thought that was great. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh I was trying to think of what I might watch next because I I have some like I, I'm in between binging, you know, and I'm like, what am I going to watch this? And I was looking at a bunch of like top rated movies and TV shows and like all of them are just so dreary, you know, like Ozark <laughs> and these kinds of things. And, yeah. it, and it's like, can't we just have I was looking for a category like something that's easy to watch, like Cobra yeah. Kai, you know, something that is an Umbrella Academy. <laughs> it's just like it's not overly dripping with like nuance like we're getting too nuanced you know uh, 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 the sopranos introduced nuance to tv and now it was like okay need more nuance yeah now it needs to just be you know we've had nuance creep if you this will. one goes to 11 nuance so question berto will elizabeth shoe appear in season three what do you think i'll tell you what i want and what i think is going to happen 
I actually, even though I love Elizabeth Shue, I loved her, all the things, I, I fear that introducing her into the show is going to be too complex, too much stuff, too many dynamics. That said, what I think is going to happen is she's going to have more of a cameo thing. I don't think they're going to bring her in as a full character. I think she's going to be like showing up to give Johnny some sort of perspective. And maybe she'll have a brief interaction with Daniel. I don't know. Um, that's yeah, sense. the whole time I, I was just thinking they're bringing back so many of the characters that yeah. Elizabeth Shue has to be on the list of possibilities. And then I thought, well, you know, she's too big. But then I was like, well, she was just on The Boys, which, you know, wasn't... Oh, that's true. That's which wasn't point. known to be a yeah. big thing. It ended up being kind of a big thing. So it wouldn't be unheard of. And yeah. Netflix has a lot of money to throw around. So I'm sure they could probably entice her, you know. So I thought for sure she's going to come back. And that's interesting to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, I don't know. I I trust these writers because they're Yeah, I good. do trust them. That's true. Um. Do you know that Elizabeth Shue was very, very upset, as I was, as I think all of us were, about what happened with the second movie? Yeah, they because, basically, she, she just disappears, right? And it's not how she, it's just that she disappeared. She crashed Daniel's car, and she ran off with a football player. Oh. And she thought, as I did, and I think everyone did, it was like, what? That's not the same character at all. Yeah. What the fudge are you talking about? Yeah, interesting. I, I forgot about that. Um, so just last little bit here is um, Enola Holmes, 2020, Netflix, Millie Bobby Brown plays uh, Sherlock Holmes' younger sister. Is she the one from the Stranger Things? Yeah, she's 11. Stranger okay. she's, she is really good. Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's pretty good. Uh, it's directed okay. by the same guy that directed um, Fleabag, and it has a lot oh, of... Oh, it has a, it's sort of like Fleabag meets... Sherlock Holmes. It's pretty good. Playback light or something. <laughs> yeah. And um, I also thought it was a TV show, you know, because Enola Holmes, it just seems like it'd be a series, but it's a, yeah. it's just a long movie. Oh, <laughs> like okay. about an hour and a half in, I turned to Stacy. I was like, this is the longest pilot I've ever seen. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh no, this is an actual movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Horse Girl 2020, Alison Brie plays someone that is seemingly developing schizophrenia People asked me to talk about this movie back when it came out, and I just failed to watch it. I gave it 6 out of 10. Pretty good. Um, I, I remember hearing people email, they're like, you know, it it, it it sort of rides the line where maybe she's becoming schizophrenic and delusional, but, you know, maybe yeah. she's maybe she actually is seeing aliens and stuff. And, I mean, spoiler alert, no. <laughs> There's no ambiguity. She is... In early onset of, or not early onset, she's in the early stages of the onset of a delusional disorder of some sort, either schizoaffective or uh, schizophrenia. It's a very interesting, interesting movie along those lines, but there's no ambiguity there. <laughs> like, uh, if you think there's ambiguity, then you're going to be quite confused when you talk to people who are schizophrenic because uh, <laughs> you're going to believe that what they believe is real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's a pretty accurate depiction of what one person's descent into initial stages. Anyway. Queen and Slim 2019, Daniel Kaluuya and Jody Turner-Smith. Uh, did you see previews for this movie, Berto? Did you I don't watch? think so. That doesn't uh, sound familiar. Uh, this black couple are on like a first date. <gasps> yes, I did. Sorry. And they get yeah. pulled over and it's all hell breaks loose. Yes, yeah. I did see that. And they go on What's like What's it a called? Queen and what? Slim. Queen and Slim. Oh, okay. 
Um, the movie starts off so good and it gets so boring at, really? and kind of silly at the end. Oh. Um, but worth the watch, ten, six out of ten. It's an interesting movie. It's different, um, but yeah. I felt like it just sort of, I don't know. Plus, the movie was supposedly trying to, I don't know, be not only, uh, I don't know, talking about racism, but also sexism. And it at the end, I it kind of gives up on the sexism angle. But anyway, The Old Guard with uh, Charlize Theron, 2020. Uh, looks like it's a new um, sort of series of movies that are coming out based on a comic book. Oh, really? Uh, I thought it had good potential, but it was kind of kind of oh. dumb. I gave it I gave it six out of ten. Not bad. Uh, Eurovision Song Contest: The Song, The Story of Fire Saga with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> twenty twenty. It's supposed to be kind of like um, you know a typical Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, all Talladega those Talladega Nights. Yeah. Um, not funny. Barry, no. I gave don't it say a, that. I gave it a four out of ten. Ah, it's way too man. long. Uh, You're ruining my Christmas. The funniest thing about the movie is the bad guy. Is this, you know, sort of the nuanced bad guy. Okay. Um, every time he was on screen, he was funny. But uh, Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams had... They didn't have much to go off of, you know. The script, uh, the script just wasn't funny. I thought the characters were good, but oh, by the way, you know what movie totally surprised me, a hundred percent surprised me, what? was the Will Smith uh, spy uh, something, the spy movie that came out recently, a cartoon. Have you know. seen it? No. Uh, uh, he's, I forget what it's called, but he is a spy, like a James Bond spy. And uh, this kid is like a, it works like a Q type character works in the lab inventing stuff, but he's like not very well respected. And then he accidentally, Will Smith hears that he he can do things to make him like invisible, but the way and then he takes drinks the thing. But what it does is it turns him into a pigeon, <laughs> and it's it sounds ridiculous, but it actually is. It's good. It's funny. I mean, it's a kids movie, you know. There's, but it's funny. It's 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 a cute movie, and I thought it was going to be terrible. I had no interest in seeing it. I happened to watch it on a lark, and it was great. <laughs> uh, I mean, so do you recommend so, it for adults? I recommend you watch it. Yeah, I recommend okay. you watch it. Again, uh, I forget the name, but it's Will Smith. Recently came out. And he's like movie. a spy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, Richard Jewell, 2019. I uh, finally got around to watching this based on true story of Richard Jewell, directed by Clint Eastwood, about the guy, guy who was falsely accused of the bombing during the Olympics in, I think, Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And uh, just kind of boring. And oh. uh, starts off pretty interesting, a lot of tension, but then it, you know, it's based on a true story, so there isn't a lot of drama past the beginning. <laughs> and so I gave it a 3 out of 10. Um, I, you know I feel what like, series? I, I feel like Clint Eastwood. The, his problem is that he currently really likes to make these character movies that are based on true stories, like the mm. the movie about the um, American service men who were in, I think France, and they like thwarted a um, a terrorist attack on a train. Oh yeah, yeah, and. They, uh, Clint Eastwood actually cast the the actual servicemen <laughs> who, yeah. who weren't actors, you know. And the whole movie 
aside from the two minutes of terror on the train, <laughs> is them just touring around Europe. You told me about this. It sounds terrible, like yeah. so boring. <laughs> Watching non-actors who right. who probably wouldn't say they're good at acting yeah, try to act out a script that isn't interesting to begin with because, you know, it's just normal life of these white guys going through Europe, you know? Yeah. And, but then the scene on the train is, is pretty interesting. It's basically just yeah. a recreation of, of what happened. Huh. Um, I just feel like Clint Eastwood, he could be doing so many things with his powers right now. And, yeah. and he's just choosing these. I don't know. I don't know why he chooses these projects, but anyway, so yeah, inter- interesting movie though. If you're interested in the Richard Jewell Richard Jewell story, the lead actor mm-hmm. does a great job uh, with with what, with what he's got. But anyway, highly recommend Cobra Kai, Umbrella Academy, first season of The Boys. Uh, do not have, recommend Mulan. Have you watched Devs yet? No. Is yeah. that what you wanted me to watch? I want you to watch Devs. We should do an uh, uh, bring it up in the next step in in okay. a future episode. Well, like I said, I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to watch next. Yeah, and and now, Devs else is it. one of these. Devs is one of these layered, nuanced shows. Well, I better like so, it, or else I'm going to yell. It's at not me. a happy-go-lucky show. All right, patrons. Well, that does it for that episode in which I yammered into the microphone for an hour and a half about how much I hated Mulan in a very long, <laughs> long-form fashion. If you're still listening, uh, God bless you. And let, let us know in the comments or email us. Go to the website. Um, you can also, uh, you know, tweet at Birdo at Psycho Birdo. <laughs> um, and, and let us know what you want us to watch or what you've been watching or did you like Mulan? Did you like the boys? You know, if you've been throwing your phone at the window, <laughs> uh, let us know why. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it.